Welcome to No Sugar Coating. I am your host, Jerry Dale, and today we are going to talk about addiction. Uh, we're going to talk about what it is, what it looks like, and the difference between addiction and abuse. Um, I have two guests here today um, that are well diversed in addiction, and so therefore we're going to see what it looks like, and we'll be right back. This episode of No Sugar Coating is brought to you by Flood Zone Car Wash. Flood Zone Car Wash is one of the last full-service car washes in the Metroplex. We have a brand new tunnel and unlimited monthly wash plans. We were voted best customer service with our experienced team. Visit us at floodzonecarwash.com. That's floodzonecarwash.com. All right, welcome back. Um, again, like I said, we've got two guests here. Um, we're going to talk to you about addiction today. Um, addiction is worldwide. Um, everybody has somebody or knows someone who deals with addiction. Um, addiction is not only just alcohol, addiction is pornography, addiction is food, addiction is so many different things. So what we wanna do is talk about what addiction is. Um, and so today we're gonna to start with, um, I have Irvin Lee. Um, he is author of From Beer to Bible. He's the founder of Beer to, From Beer to Bible. Um, and he's been in recovery for many years yeah. um, and he's been ministering um, for a few years um, doing um, From Beer to Bible. And also he has a movie coming from Beer to Bible. Uh, so we're working, we're working on it. We're working yeah, on, working it, on sure. it. So um, then we're going to let Irvin talk about um, give his testimony in a second. And then we also have Canna Myers. Hi. Uh, she is a mom. Um, she's a wife. She is um, in recovery as well. For many years um, and then she's also a um, travel agent and so she travels around the world and deals with people who um, consistently um, drink and so this is one of those things that she'll be talking about how she handles that and how she deals with that um, so let's get started first give me give me your testimony tell me a little bit about your um, what it was for you uh, for me falling into uh, alcoholism it was really this journey, right? I always knew that it affected me differently. I had my first drink when I was about 11 years old. Uh, me and my friends, uh, we borrowed some liquor from uh, our adult parents, right? And the interesting thing was they all just had a couple of drinks. I drank till I got drunk and I actually threw up. So that was my first real interaction with alcohol. And I remember my great grandmother saying to me, son, you shouldn't drink. Well, I didn't know at the time that alcohol had been a major dereller of men in my family. So had I known that, that uh, maybe then I have a different relationship with alcohol, but it, it really took me about 30 so years of drinking till I reached a point over about a four month period where honestly I lost hope. And once you have no hope, the, the next step is, is, is really death. So I really just got up every day for about four months and all I did was drink every day, drink every day and hope that one day I wouldn't wake up. And then I got to a point of deep, deep despair that I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, you know, I'm about finished here. Just, just give me death. And I remember the Lord clearly saying to me, he said, I, I don't give death. I give life. Get up. And all of a sudden I had that energy and I got up and I went in to tell my wife, like, hey, I, I surrender. I surrender. I know I need help. And what happened the next 48 hours was probably one of the most depressing things that I've ever seen is that for 48 hours, 
my wife was trying to figure out what to do with her drunk husband. Now, understand we had insurance, we had resources, we had all the things the world say you need to get help, but it took her 48 hours. So I ended up going to treatment for 31 days. And during that time, I met a guy who discipled me and led me back to Jesus Christ. And I remember the experience that we had. So I said to myself, the burden was to start a ministry so that people would understand that addiction is a disease right. and that we would be the conduit to help you find the resources that are out, out there to help you get sober. Amen. When I, when I listen to that, um, thank you for sharing, first of all, but when I listen to it, you know, one of the, 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 the bright spots for me was hearing you say, it was hearing you talk to Jesus before, because you was talking to him, you were okay with talking to him about giving you death. Yeah. And then when you went to treatment, you met someone who re reconnected you in a different way yeah. back to Christ. And that is good because most of us, I think, um, when, when we're at that point where we like, God, give us death. Like, we ain't really even trying to talk to God. Like we talking to God, but we ain't really trying to have a relationship because we already know where we're at, yeah. or we, at least where we think we're at, right? Yeah. Um, and so then, so to do that, hear from him and then go and surrender and then have someone else, God brings someone else into your life to help guide you back. I just think that's, um, that's amazing. And that's, I love the way God works that way um, in us. There's two, two takeaways, right? That I always tell people about my testimony. One is God speaks and can and will speak through our sin. He does. People go, oh, he spoke. Yes, he spoke to me through my sin. I didn't have to clean myself up or get it together for God to speak to me. So remember that. And then the other thing is the enemy messes with our attitude. So he, he had my attitude towards God's sovereignty influenced by fear instead of hope. So our attitudes... Uh, uh, as it relates to God's sovereignty and his will should be peppered and sprinkled with hope and not fear. Amen. I like that. So, Kenna Myers, um, yes. give us your testimony. Tell us about your addiction. Well, for me, um, I've come from a family that has a history of alcoholism. So alcohol was always um, pivotal in my life growing up. And I was, I was a drinker um, and liked to have a good time, but it really, and I went on to have children, get married. And whenever I was in my forties, I just turned 40. My dad had just passed away. Um, he had passed away unexpectedly from a, a heart attack. And it was, a, it was traumatic in that he was actually out of town for a funeral for my stepmother's father. To plan their funeral and he had while he was there in boston um he just um he died of a massive heart attack in the hotel and so then just in a blink of an eye our patriarch was gone our leader our compass um was gone in our family and so at that point my drinking um took on a different desperation and it turned into a lot of drinking at night after i took the put the kids to bed um, I had three children plus a stepdaughter um, that I was navigating with the blended family. I was um, 
busy mom, lived in Coppell, taking the kids to all the different places, running around, being the soccer mom, trying to keep it all together. And then um, finally for me one night, it was a Wednesday night, and I took all three daughters to church, and I drove them, and later I couldn't remember driving them. And I knew that I'd experienced God's grace, and I also knew that time was running out. There was no way I was going to keep these balls in the air, and there was no way that I was going to be able to continue on this path. I was doing, I think what a lot of, of women in my in my situation do, we're so busy and we're so, it's rinse, it's wash, rinse, and repeat. We get up and we do the same thing the next day. We think that, um, and I have a relationship with Christ and I always have, and I thought, I know what I need to do. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'll get to it. I'll get to it later. And, and I knew that it was time. Now is the time to deal with this because really for me with the um, addiction and abuse, for me, it turned from just abuse to addiction by the level of my consequences. Um, things that started really happening in my life and affecting my children and my, you know, every aspect of my life, my job um, and my mental health. You know, I was, I was depressed. I was um, just not, I was just beaten down. And I knew, I knew that God had a better life plan for me. I knew it and I knew that I had to take action in order to, to meet those. So that life that he had for me. Yeah. Well, amen. <clears throat> amen. Always having a connection. Amen. To being able to recognize um, the problem when it got to where it was. So I was 40, 41. And um, for me to get sober, I ended up going into treatment. Um, I went and told my kids and my family, and they all um, supported me and drove me and dropped me off. And I was there um, for about 28 days. And I agree with you with surrender. Surrender was huge for me. Um, that's probably, that probably explains my entire recovery is, the, is knowing when and how to surrender um, to God and just give, give this to him. I cannot keep these balls in the air anymore. Yeah. yeah. And so Surrender here I am. Is, um, surrender is, um, definitely a, a key word, right? Mm -hmm. It's definitely key to, I think our aspect of life in general, um, the things that we can surrender to God, surrender to God too, allows us peace. I think, cause that way we're not worrying about it, trying to figure out how we can fix right. it and how we can do it. Um, so, with um you talked about abuse to addiction right and what made you go to um addiction or made it go to addiction for mm -hmm. you um so that's that's something that i've always kind of wondered about um when i was in um my 20s um i drank a lot i was in the music industry and i drank a lot drank every day i would say that i was abusing it I wouldn't say, and I only say that now because just as I'm thinking mm -hmm. about it, and I wouldn't say that I was an alcoholic, but if I was to tell my story, I think that people may think I was an alcoholic because I drank so much. So that's why I'm asking what's, what, what does, what's really an addiction because I drank every day, like every single day of the week because I was you know dealing with people who drink and I'm drinking with them, right? But I never felt like 
I didn't, I didn't like the head spinning. I didn't like the vomiting. Like those were two things I just didn't like. Yeah. So I was okay with drinking, but I never wanted to get that far again. Right. Cause once I got there, I was like, yeah, I don't want to keep doing this. Right. Yeah. So addiction, um, what, what exactly is addiction? And the reason I'm asking what, what it is, is because some people would say there's a difference between a, alcohol abuse or abuse of something versus an addiction. And so what makes it an addiction? For me, what made it an addiction was alcohol became my God. And when I say it became my God, I mean that when I was happy, I was seeking alcohol. When I was sad, I was seeking alcohol. When I needed comfort, when I needed courage, I was always seeking alcohol, right? So I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. The only thing we should seek is God. So alcohol became my idol. And for me, that's when I knew that I was in full-blown addiction. And the thing I will say about knowing if you have an addiction with alcohol is when it affects all three parts of us, meaning your soul, your body, and your spirit, you probably are in addiction to that substance, whether it be alcohol, drugs, food, or whatever that is that you're seeking and finding comfort in. So when we talk about addiction and abuse, when you were like, it got to an addiction, you know, first it was you as abusing it because now you've been sober or you've been in recovery for almost six years, six years and Irving, seven and a half, seven and a half years. So, you know, um, do you, do you still struggle with it? Is that part of what the addiction is? Is that, you know, for people out here, like, like, do they understand like the, you can beat the addiction or is it just an abuse or some people are just abusing it. I'm just trying to help, just trying to understand that part of it. Well, I, I would say there, it's like anything, right? There are abusers of alcohol that, that meaning and drugs, they drink and drug too much, but there's usually something genetically, physically. So if I have a drink, I already know I'm never going to just have one drink. It's going to set off a physical allergy in my body that is going to crave more and more and more so that I know I can never drink and drug and just be abusing it. No, right? So the difference between addicts and alcoholics in the rest of the world is the rest of the world can drink and drug, maybe even abuse it, but they're not going to do it to the point to where they kill themselves. I know that if I thought I could continue to use alcohol, that eventually I'm going to drink till I kill myself. And how I deal with it daily, this is why I tell people, I'm healed from alcoholism, but it's a daily healing, right? We live one day at a time. I just don't have to drink today. I don't obsess about it. I don't think about it. I go anywhere I want to. I just know that my God is bigger than alcoholism. I have friends who can do what you just said. They can drink, party all night, but then they can still function. I was not at a point in my life able to carry on meaningful relationships, uh, meaningful employment because my wiring was such that I didn't ever want the party to stop. And then I will say it to you this way. The most beautiful gift God gives us is a will. The most dangerous gift that God gives us is this free will. Because the most dangerous thing we have is an unsurrendered will to Christ. Wow. Yeah. 
That's uh, that's interesting. So as you were talking about that, I was thinking about, I, I think I have an addiction with sugar <laughs> because I can, if I'm, if I go without it, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. But as soon as I get some sugar in me, I want more and yeah. I want more. And I, sometimes I just keep going because it's like, you know, that's what I want. Yeah. And, it, and so that helps me with, um, with addiction um, in terms of understanding a little bit more about what it is. It, so I'm telling y'all out here, you can be addicted to multiple things and not really understand what being addicted is. And that's why we're here today, because we want to be able to talk about not just addiction to alcohol and drugs, but just what addiction is and how to overcome it um, with Christ. Yeah. And there is a lot of gray area with that, with the abuse and addiction. And there's a lot of people that really get caught up on those labels and trying to figure out what slot they they fit into. Um, I'd like to try to think about um, you know, alcoholism is a disease and it will progress. It, it's inevitable. Yeah. And if you're able to modify your behavior and maybe you're in a situational, maybe like what you were, you were, it was a situational or like we see some kids in, in college that are binge drinking. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be addicts, but it does mean that they are abusing it. And it does mean that you need to evaluate your relationship with alcohol. And if you can modify it, um, and then that's great. I and Irvin weren't able to modify it. So we had our answer. We knew that it continued to progress. We continued to have consequences and we were spiraling. And so we knew that we needed to get help and help looked like surrender and then complete abstinence from it. But there's a lot of people out there that are going through those situational times. And sometimes it's very, um, it's very intense. And so we want people to always, I tell my children, always reevaluate your relationship with alcohol or with anything, with sugar, with watching Netflix, with eating, with shopping, with um, porn. We, we need to constantly be reevaluating our relationship with these things and then, you know, addressing it as, we, as, as needed. Yeah. So, so is addiction, um, is it more um, chemically or is it just maybe the lack of self-discipline, self-control of the free will? Well, I, I'm going to say it this way. I don't believe it's or both. E either or, right? Because okay. remember earlier I talked about how it affects all three parts of us, right? And it, let's just take sugar. So when I stopped drinking alcohol, a lot of people don't realize alcohol has a lot of sugar. So all of a sudden my body is just craving and I'm eating cakes and I'm devouring candy. And then I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me reevaluate my relationship with sweets, right? Because my weight and all these things started to happen. So God wants us to be well balanced, right? I have to abstain from drugs and alcohol, but now I have to watch the sugar I, I try to be balanced in my approach to just about everything, right? Because I don't want to start seeking the comfort that I sought in alcohol. I see some people go to cigarettes, some people go to caffeine. So you're always just, I am, I'm always evaluating, where am I? Where's my relationship with the things that I so-called really like, right? right? And, right. and oftentimes because of my wiring, I can get out of balance on things like sweets and different things. So, so I'm always, I, I, I try to live daily and say, what's my relationship with this? 
Am I seeking and finding comfort? If I get upset, am I running to get a cookie or am I running to get a brownie? Am I running to get a coat? What am I running to other than Christ himself? Mm, that's good. So again, we're looking at surrender. Yeah. We're looking at evaluating self-evaluation, yeah. right? And those are things that can help us with whether we're abusing anything or whether we're addicted to anything. Those two things seem to be what's common denominator for both of y'all. Because as you can tell here, <clears throat> you know, we've got people from two different ethnicities, from two different genders, um, as far apart as you can get um, from, from a sense of worldly unity. So they're diverse, but yet the same things and the same two things are what is common between the two of them that help them overcome um, the addiction. Um, and I think that in itself is, um, is great. Um, it's well, a beautiful thing. We have to realize alcohol does not, alcohol and drugs, drug, alcohol is a drug. Drugs don't discriminate. They, they right. do not care who they attack and whose life they destroy. And for me, my issue with drugs and alcohol was I didn't understand the purpose. And when you don't understand the purpose of something, uh, addiction is inevitable. You're going to abuse it. I didn't mm -hmm. understand that, you know, hey, here's the purpose of alcohol, right? There's a purpose for it. And I didn't understand it, so I abused it. I didn't understand what my divine purpose was, therefore I abused myself. Once I understood what my divine purpose was, then I got clear. I was no longer deceived. It says I was lost, but now I'm found. Like the prodigal son, when you come to yourself and the Holy Spirit begins to, you become spirit led. He starts to tell you when you're off course. He starts to say, oh, you're abusing that. You're doing this a little too much. Now we can silence that voice and ignore it. Mm -hmm. But when I hear that, I know that something's out of whack and I need to address it. Mm -hmm. hey, Amen. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, you know what, Irvin, tell us about the ministry um, mm -hmm. and what you do in, uh, from, beer, from beer to Bible. Well, the, the main thing we do is we try to be the voice of addiction, meaning we've got a show and a YouTube channel where we talk about, like Hannah said earlier, like it's a disease. Addiction is a disease. I, I just, I can't tell you the relief I had when I sat down on my first meeting with my counselor and she said, you do know that alcoholism is a disease. I was like, what? No way. I thought I was you know, came from God's factory faulty. So that was relief, right? And that actually took away some of my anger at God. So we want to help people understand like we're doing here today, that addiction, it does not discriminate. It is a disease, but we also want to be the conduit to help out there because surrender is the hard part. Once a person surrenders, like I did, now what do you do? So we want to be the conduit to help you get into treatment, to help you get a counselor, to help you get into a 12-step recovery group. And that's what we do. And we've seen, what breaks my heart is, um, we started the ministry in six of 17. And during that time, up until two years ago, we never had a person enter into our programs under 21. This month alone, I have had 12 
14, 16, wow. 19, driven by fentanyl, driven by fentanyl that looks like Skittles that the drug dealers and the people are passing out to these kids. And I'm going, I have nieces and nephews who are 10, 12. They thinking about basketball and, and 2K and different things like that. And I have a 12 year old that we're trying to help get into treatment. So wow, that's the heartbreaking part about the ministry that we do is I'm seeing this addiction start younger and younger. Man, that is heartbreaking. 12 years old. Yeah. <clears throat> that young. And from what I don't know much about the drug, but I hear that the drug's highly um, addictive. They're highly addictive. And the thing about fentanyl, I always tell all my young guys and, and young women we work with is that your drug dealer is not a chemist. He is not a chemist. So every time you buy these illegal drugs, you are trusting your life to your drug dealer who is not a chemist, right. right? If he sprinkles too much of that fentanyl on there, you know, when we were doing our stuff, it didn't kill you. But right. now one wrong episode with fentanyl and you're poisoned, right? You're poisoned because you think you buying one thing and they're putting fentanyl on it. So a lady corrected me because her son passed from she said, hey, he didn't die from an overdose. He thought he was buying a, a sleeping pill, but it was actually laced with fentanyl. Wow. So he was poisoned to death. And I go, that makes sense to me. Wow. Now, you, you can argue the optics of what he was doing, right. but he didn't deserve to die because he thought he was getting a sleeping pill. Right. He happened to get a counterfeit one laced with fentanyl. Yeah, I saw something um, in the news a couple days ago where there was a daycare and there was three kids. I think there was a one-year-old who died yeah. from fentanyl. And I don't think they inhaled it or took it in, um, took it in intake in their body. I think they were like just surrounded and touched it or something like oh, that. Yeah. And, and they just died from it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, let's take a break. This episode of No Sugar Coating is brought to you by Flood Zone Car Wash. Flood Zone Car Wash is one of the last full-service car washes in the Metroplex. We have a brand new tunnel and unlimited monthly wash plans. We were voted best customer service with our experienced team. Visit us at floodzonecarwash.com. That's floodzonecarwash.com. Welcome back um, to the episode of Addiction. Um, let me ask you two, um, especially let me start with you, Kana. What is life like now that you're on the other side of addiction, being a female? Um, well, obviously, I mean, my life has just has changed uh, dramatically. Um, you know, it's hard. It's really, really hard to admit that you have a problem and to surrender and to trust the process and to, um, to enter in recovery and then to continue to stay sober. It's, it's very hard. But it's so worth it when you see the life that you can live. I mean, I'm now, um, I'm in the travel um, industry. Um, I'm a travel agent. I travel um, all over the world. I do things that I never would have been able to do before because I was never able to, I wouldn't have been able to keep it together. Um, I wouldn't have been able to um, just be a responsible adult that could really execute some of the things I do now and be able to enjoy it. And when you get to travel all over the world and see all the different cultures and, 
and and meet people and all the friends I've made and the amazing things that I've seen. And you're finally seeing it through a sober lens. Um, I also like to go to concerts too, because I realized that I used to go to concerts and I would always drink. And so now when I go to concerts, I really hear the music. I'm able to take it in. And that's how it is with travel. It's still just as beautiful, but you get to see it in that sober lens. And so that's part of, of getting sober. And it, it, but it is hard. I think as women, we continue to stay on that hamster wheel because we don't want to have to deal with some of the problems that got us where we are. Um, some of the, you know, we can do hard things. We do hard things all the time. We know it. We've got, we've got podcasts. We've got so many shows. We've got, you can get therapy on Instagram now. You can do all of those things. We know how hard it is. We have to just do it. We have to do those things so that we can heal and that we can get better and then we can live the God that, the life that God's intended for us. I've, it's still hard. I still have, it's not like, oh, it's all wrapped up in a pretty package with a bow and she's now sober and that's the end of her story. My story's still going on. I'm now 46. I'm um, a newly empty nester. I had my son when I was 19, so I've been raising kids my entire adult life. Um, I'm actually going through a divorce. I'm going through um, just a lot of change right now. Like, what is my next, what does my next season look like? But I'm not worried because I know that as long as I am sober and I rely on God, I can get through anything. Amen. And it'll it'll be okay. It'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Irvin, tell us what is um what is it? How's it been for you since you've been sober? Um, I'm going to tell you the greatest thing for me, one of them, is I remember getting out of treatment and I was being discipled by a fellow. He said, go home and ask your wife on a scale of one to 10 what your grade is. Now I'm sober and I'm thinking, oh man, I'm going to get a good grade. I got to be a nine out of 10. So I asked my wife and without hesitation, she said, you're a two. <laughs> and so I'm crushed, right? Initially, she says, but you were a negative two. So I found hope in the fact of, I'm like, man, that's a heck of a swing to go right. from a negative two to a two. So fast forward to recently, I said, hey, what's my score? She thought about it. She said, you're seven. So that's the grace of God that a man can go from a negative two to a seven people go look at me and say well you still got a huge gap i'm like but there's progress not perfection and that's how i look at my life now is there daily progress was i better today than yesterday and if i can look myself in the mirror and talk to god and realize that to the best of my ability following the promptings of the spirit that i was better as a person, character, integrity, um, man, that's good. That's good. You know, prior to getting sober, I would have tell you, I needed this house. I needed this car. I need it. I need, I need, I need. Well, Jesus is everything I need. And that starts with the daily surrender. Amen. Let me ask you, was there a time when um, relapse was, um, I won't say an option, but I know there's people out here who will look at and say, oh, y'all were able to do it. 
right? And you've been, mm-hmm. you've been I, I don't know, I don't even know if you had relapses or if you, or not, you could talk about that. Um, but there's somebody who, who, who is struggling with one, just initially doing it, right? To yeah. get into recovery. But then I think sometimes they fear or they think they could, there could never be a time when they don't drink. Like they're thinking so far ahead. Yeah. like, I can never just not drink at all, yeah. right? And so they already got the relapse built in before they even get to the lapse, right? Or, or mm-hmm. the recovery side. So is that, has that ever been, or is that something that you see with the ministry or is that something you felt with just in general or because when you travel, Mm-hmm. you're around people who drink. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's like, you have to be the sober one. And I think sometimes I know for me, I would drink sometimes just because everybody else was drinking, right. yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so it was, it was, you know, and I really didn't even want to drink sometimes. And I'm, I've grown now to where I now I just, I don't drink if I don't want to yeah. drink. But back then that was, that was what I did. So does that play any part? I think, I think part of it is the initial surrender and the initial, um, you know, understanding that that committing to I am an alcoholic and I my intention is to never drink again. So I went into rehab November 17th, 2019. And as of today, I haven't had a drink since. But it's something that um, every day you focus on and, and it is too hard to think about the rest of my life. That's too overwhelming for anything. When we think about giving up caffeine or cigarettes or sugar, you know, we think about, um, it's so hard to think what your life will look like. What about that toast at the wedding when my son gets married? And it's, it's too overwhelming. We're not meant to have that all figured out. We're only meant to look at today and what we want to do you know, with our life. And when you surrender and when you accept it, you accept that with your whole being, that this is my intention. This is my intentional path to not ever drink alcohol or abuse substances or whatever it is again. And so that's something that, and I knew that when I was in treatment, that there were a lot of people who, who it looked like they had, they were just dipping their toe in and they were maybe there for other people or they were there to you know please someone and they had not really figured out had their talk with god and surrendered and accepted that they needed help and they could not live this way of life again and that that's what i have to do and i have to also for me i don't god took away my cravings um i really don't have i don't struggle with um with craving alcohol or feeling like I'm going to slip. Um, I do, um, run into not wanting to deal with things, wanting to run away from problems or have a crutch, numb it. And I think that that's, you know, we do that with sugar and all those other things. So that's something that I have to constantly work on that. I have to feel, I have to feel everything. I have to go through it. I got to be a big girl. I know I can do it. God made me to, I can handle any of these problems and I don't have to drown it in alcohol or something else. So, so traveling, um, traveling is, you know, you're around other people. You're like, again, people who drink is, is that, is that, I mean, because you've overcome the addiction side, Mm -hmm. have you overcome the side of like, just for yourself, just to be like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay. If I'm the only one who doesn't drink. Um, and, and then just being okay with that. And 
and I'm really good at that as far as like God has blessed me with this is who I am. This is my path. And that's the only thing I need to worry about. Um, when other people are drinking, I, um, I don't feel that I need to join in. I don't have peer pressure. I don't judge. I don't, none of that. It, it doesn't, you know, the only life I can manage is my own. And as long as I stay in my lane and work on what I need to work on, um, then I'm fine. And, you know, I've been in the South Pacific in an overwater bungalow by myself, um, and with a, a bar in, in a room with a bar full of alcohol. And I never felt like I, I wanted to drink it. Now, some people do, they're different in their recovery. Everybody's recovery is different. That's for me. Some people need to have that um, alcohol removed and they need to not be around people that are drinking. And, you know, some things trigger them and some things are challenging for them. And so you have to, you have to protect your, your sobriety with everything. But um, for me, I've been um, okay with being around those things and just knowing that that's, that's no longer for me. There's a lot of things I get to do. There's a lot of things that God has led me to do that I'm blessed with and I get to do. And there's some things that are not meant for me. And drinking alcohol is not one of them. It's not Amen. meant for me. Um, some encouragement around relapsing. Sometimes relapsing is a part of a person's journey to true sobriety and freedom from alcohol and drug addiction. So just because you fall down, you can get back up, right? It hasn't been a part of uh, my recovery. Here are the three keys that I see with people who stay sober. They are transparent, they have boundaries, and they have a healthy, what I call rhythm of living. And the common denominator with those who do not stay sober is they continue to have an unhealthy rhythm of living. They have no boundaries and they're not transparent around telling you, hey, I'm never to have a drink. Don't offer me a drink. I used to own liquor stores. So I, I, was, a, I was 31 days sober and having to go back into the liquor business. Wow. And stayed sober the whole time I had that business, right? But I had, I told everyone, don't ever offer me a drink. If you got something for me to sample, here's the guy who will sample it. He'll tell me if it's good. I told everybody, and if you, and if you offer me a drink, you will not be allowed back in this store and I will disassociate with you. I told all my friends, you, I have a problem. I could die if you offer me alcohol. And if you do, you're not my friend. And I'm okay with that. And some people stop being my friend. God replaced them with other friends. So do not fear. I love this. I used to say to God, I got this business and I'm an alcoholic. How's this work? You know, his answer to me was, I'll be with you. That's enough for me. Right. And I got boundaries. I got, I got a rhythm of living and I function within that. And if you can't fit within that and you need me to go out with you and drink and party and carry on foolishness, you're out of my life. I'll pray for you. I just won't socialize with you. Amen. And people think it's really hard when they think about also being overwhelmed with what does life look like in sobriety. And they think everything's going to change with my friends and I'm in sales and and I, I work in the alcohol industry, like how am I going to be able to navigate that? And, and you do. The, the key is don't think about the past. 
and don't mm -hmm. think about your future. Be present. And my counselor said this to me because I said to her, I can't imagine not drinking forever. She said, I'm not asking you to do that. I said, you're not? She says, no. She says, can you just not drink for 24 hours? Mm -hmm. And this was my response. I could tough out anything for 24 hours. She said, that's all I'm asking you to do. And then I want you to wake up and I want you to do it again tomorrow. And as simple as that sounds, with my warped mind, <laughs> I could buy into that. I said, that's it? That's what you asked me? Just not today? Right? And I did that until it just became my rhythm of living. And I'm still doing that. And the enemy loves to keep us in our past because that's the shame, right? So he's going to keep you there, keep you shame. And he wants to keep you in your future because you can't control that. And that's the doubt. And that's the fear. Just be present. You have everything you need today. Amen. And to me, that was the revelation of how I would live my life and my rhythm of living to stay sober. Amen. Well, on that note, <clears throat> um, let's look into the camera, each one of you look into your camera and let's give um, the audience, let's give the people, let's give them a takeaway um, to how you think they should get started or how a person could start or what's the next step or what is a step, a first step, some kind of step from any addiction um, for them to get started, to be able to overcome it. Because at the end of the day, we want you to be able to overcome your addiction. We want you to be able to be your best version of yourself at all times. Um, we want your mind to be clear. We want your um, to be able to surrender. We want all those things for you. Because I think in terms of us being able to be unified um, as, as a society, but then also as in the church, in the body of Christ, I think we need to have clear minds and some of those things. And so I just want to be able to, that's why we're here. So let's just give them first steps or initial steps or something that you think will help them just get started for those who are questioning, even whether they're even an addict or not. I think first is um, if you think that you do have a problem to reach out to another alcoholic, Re reach out to someone that you believe um, can understand where you're coming from and that, um, you know, aligns with your values um, for the most part. And just and reach out to someone, to an alcoholic that can help you get started in, in getting your recovery. Um, I have a website, Her Courageous Recovery, and you can go to that. You can reach out to me through that um, and find out more information about my testimony and my story and my, um, my, my journey that I'm on right now. Um, but I think the first step is to, you know, like they say, realize that there's a problem that you don't want to live the way that you're living right now and that you want to change something and find somebody that to help you. There, there will be people all around you that will, that are willing to help you that want you to live your best life. I would say this, and we don't talk enough about it. God is love. God is love. He loves you. He has a good plan for your life. Now, in that love is the opportunity to be made whole and to be healed of all your addictions. But you have to surrender. So the first step is surrender and acknowledge that you have a problem. We're here. There's tons of resources out there to help you. You can reach us at FromBeerToTheBible.com. Again, that's FromBeerToTheBible.com. 
Remember, God loves you. God has a great plan for your life. But God also wants you happy, whole, and set free. And true healing is only available through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So with that being said, we're going to close out this episode. I want to thank you all for joining us today. Thank you to my guests for coming on and sharing your story um, and being open and transparent to um, the crowd and in wanting to assist um, people in overcoming their addiction. So here at Sugar Coating, we keep it 100% truth, 100% authentic, 100% real, with real people, with real stories. And we thank you for joining us. That's a wrap. The No Sugar Coating Show is powered by gospelfirstministries.org.